1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. you
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you both live and recorded from Memphis, Tennessee. Right now we are live in Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Let's talk about what we got coming up on the program. So the reason why I say it's both live and recorded from Memphis, Tennessee. Today is, of course, Grizzlies Media Day. They will begin training camp starting tomorrow. But they had their media day today. I was down there as a matter of about 20 minutes or go grabbing some interviews. You're gonna to need to hear all of those interviews during the second hour. And normally on these types of settings, when you are the interviewer, you're watching, you're watching the subject, go down the line. They'll go to the Grind City. Uh, There were other like team, maybe it was their social team. They were doing some stuff for social and then you would get radio and then sometimes they would start with radio and then go to social or go to, to grind city. But oftentimes when you're in that kind of mold, you can understand it from the player's perspective that they're getting asked largely the same questions. And you know, it's not exactly the world's most conducive setting to a, a great interview but today was an exception to the rule. I, I've very rarely, when I'm doing these things, do I sit there and go, man, that was that was awesome. But it really was. And we've got great sound coming from people that you want to hear from. We're going to have Derek Rose. We're going to have Taylor Jenkins. We're going to have Marcus Smart. We're going to have Desmond Bain. Spoiler alert, I asked Luke Kennard about Coach K. We're going to have Luke Kennard. We're going to have Xavier Tillman, Santi Aldama. They were all great, and... It is Monday, so it's overreaction Monday. We'll start actually with the Grizzlies overreaction that I had from my impressions down there. 2.35, we'll talk some Tigers with Jason Munns. J- Munns, of course, always joins us each and every Monday. He's pulling double Tiger duty today because of Grizz Media Day. Jonah had to go down to Media Day to, to handle some of the Grizzlies, so Munns covered Ryan Sorfield's presser. So we'll get his thoughts on Billy Richmond, the thirds. Recruiting visit, the opening of Tiger basketball practice. We'll get also get his thoughts on uh, Ryan Silverfield's press conference. Then hour number two. That's really, I suppose we can we can contrive it as the list. But that's when we're going to really focus on the interviews that we had down at FedEx Forum. Hour number two will be primarily Grizzly centric, but we have a, a lot of great interviews. You're not going to want to miss them. Derrick Rose was fantastic. Marcus Smart was fantastic. Luke Kennard played along. I appreciated that. Really, everyone we talked to was really, really good. Dez was very good too. I don't want to forget that as well. We'll tell your story, then we'll get out of here. So, overreaction number one. I, spirit of full disclosure, I was planning on my overreaction starting with Tiger football, but this is fresh off the mind. This is the freshest overreaction that I can possibly have because I was just down at FedEx Forum, and you're you're feeling the energy you're seeing the buzz of of media day and to be clear i don't blame players for largely being kind of like eh, on media day because media day it's not as if they're 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 going to practice right after this this is largely you get all of this media out of the way so that when you start training camp tomorrow it's not the necessary distraction so i completely understand the mindset of Man, there's like a thousand other places I'd rather be. Because, spirit of full disclosure, I would probably have been in the same boat had the roles been reversed. But there are a couple of interesting things. Number one, we got the news today. Steven Adams, good to go. I only saw him. I did not get to talk to him. I can confirm, though, he looks fantastic. They say he's good to go. Healthy. Boom. Problem solved there. I think every... I don't really know how much legitimate concern there was to begin with, but you got your, if you were someone that had maybe in the back of your mind, like, let's not say 50% concern, but even if you had, like, somewhere between 5 and 10% concern of, well, this injury was kind of weird last year. Like, they kept thinking they were going to get him back, and then they wouldn't get him back, and it just felt like it was this never-ending cycle. Good to go. Ready for practice. Thumbs up. Concerns, concerns relieved. I didn't even think it was, you know, PR, like, handling. I I think he's legitimately good to go, so you can cast all your cares aside on that one. Then I think, really, the second biggest piece of news is what would the status of Ja Morant be? And we got clarification today that Ja Morant will be able to participate in team activities, including travel and whatnot. He's just going to be ineligible for the games. Because of that, Taylor Jenkins also mentioned that likely Ja would not be practicing with the ones because they're preparing for the first 25 games without Jaw. But overall, I would say that I think that was on the high end of the participation that I thought he was going to be allowed for. Like, my suspicion was that publicly he would not, quote-unquote, be a part of the team, but he wouldn't be cast aside Nonetheless, this seems like he's going to be able to essentially be a full participant minus games. And, and to me, that's that's a very good thing. Which gets me to my first overreaction from everything about today. I mean this in the most sincere form of honesty. I often, I understand there's lots of people out there that hated school. And to be clear, I wasn't the world's biggest fan of the classroom. But I loved where I went to school. Like I actually enjoyed, you know, for all the for all the jokes you can make about boys' school, it's pretty fun. It's, overall, would recommend. You, you, you get to you get to really uh, you get to really cut loose, and I, I I did greatly enjoy it. Today had massive first day of school vibes. If you're someone that was like excited to go to school, maybe first day of college vibes because everyone seems to be. When you go to college, like, everyone's kind of fired up. Like, yeah, like, it was fun. And I just took note of that because not that there had been in previous years that there had been poor atmospheres or that, you know, it felt like a funeral or whatnot, but I just got a – it was a very reassuring feeling heading into camp where it felt like, it felt like everyone realized, like, we needed to paint the house. We needed to paint it desperately. And we finally painted the house. We didn't knock down the house. We didn't gut the house. But we needed a fresh coat of paint. And it looks really good. And everybody feels really good about it. And to me, that was really... That was my impression of the vibes today. Is You could sense... It's not a completely new team, but there's enough new pieces and there's enough that excites you about about this team that I got the sense that everyone seemed to have a good summer. I think also it probably helped that a good portion of the Grizzlies were dealing with injuries. Like Dez, you'll hear from him later, getting healthy. I got the sense that that maybe played into kind of how everybody was feeling. Steven Adams, obviously, also... And and whatnot. But I really really found myself um, encouraged by the vibes today. Because that's kind of the other aspect of when you have a season in the way that it did. And it's always fascinating to wonder whether or not that had any impact whatsoever. Because on the one hand... You can look at it this way. They got publicly embarrassed. You're the laughing stock of every NBA talk show, the NBA online community, and whatnot. Yet, on the other hand, you can also sit there and go, Well, what did you expect? We went into that series without our top two or two of our top three interior bigs and we were playing Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis decided for the first two rounds of the playoffs that he was going to remind everyone what he's capable of, which is being one of the best players on the planet. So, I've always thought it's it's interesting because particularly in the world of media where you want there to be a narrative, you want there to be some type of story being told. Oftentimes, it's just kind of not the way that it works. But I do think in terms of where this team is as it's constructed by its players, I think last year was necessary. I think they needed that moment to get punched in the mouth and to have to kind of eat it a little bit. Because even if you think back to the year prior where they get knocked out by the Warriors in the Western Conference semis, there was still the feeling of this was all gravy. And further, when you add... Well, Ja got hurt during that series. It allowed you to kind of make the necessary, not necessarily excuses, but it allowed you to sit there and not feel as broken up about it. Because also that team goes on to win the title, and you saw that you gave the Warriors as good of a fight as anyone else. Only the Celtics and you took them to six games. And you were as competitive as anyone. But I was curious to know if that would carry over. And the thing that's also interesting to me is the absences. And obviously, Ja's going to be able to participate during the offseason. But there's clearly no Dylan Brooks. And there was no bashing of Dylan there wasn't even like subtle jabs there wasn't any remote hint of addition by subtraction or however you want to phrase it but you got the sense that everybody was ready maybe for uh, a different a different voice and a different sense in the locker room and I just found myself very encouraged by the fact of, like the vibes. And again, the Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't have felt great, couldn't have felt better about their team than during the preseason. Well, how are they feeling about their team right now? And that's not even a, a, a drive-by shot. My point is, we have no idea what the preseason impact is going to be on this team and in general. And but overall, I just I found myself surprised, but I was like, oh. This, everyone seems really kind of pumped to be here. And and I I took note of that, and I enjoyed it. So now, let's go into other overreactions from the weekend. And we'll start locally with the Memphis Tigers, who pick up the 35-32 win over Boise State on Saturday at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. You would think that game would yield... Lots of overreactions. But my overreaction to that game was... Sometimes football is pretty simple. A game gets flipped. And it's not even to the point where you can sit there and go... The game was decided by this play because both teams would have had opportunities... To, to change the outcome. But I just the more and more that I've thought about it, the more and more I've looked into numbers, and the more and more I've rewatched particular series. I'm just left with this overreaction. Sometimes teams make a play, and that's the difference. And there's no question, there was one play in this game in particular that made. All the difference in the world. And it's Canton Arku's 80 yard black field goal return for the touchdown. Because not only not only does that completely flip not is that only not only is that a 10 point swing, it's also a demoralizing 10 point swing. Because there were two moments Involved in that play that I thought were interesting. The fact that Boise elects to kick a 19-yard field goal. I was very surprised by that. Extremely surprised by that. And more importantly. If you go and you look at when field goals get blocked and returned for touchdowns. It is extremely rare for them to essentially be extra points or even one yard inside of an extra point. And that really, to me, was my overreaction to the game. I have thoughts about the way that the game played out. I thought at times Memphis looked like it was going to be the disaster scenario you're down 17 to nothing. You're not really moving the football at all. In the first quarter I am I'm trying to think if they had how many conversions. Okay, they they went 2 of 4 on third downs. But it was it felt like it was a game of runs. It felt like Boise made their run, then the Tigers made their run, and then Boise kind of furiously came back. I don't have big picture overreactions to what I saw on Saturday because I think what I would be the most encouraged by was I was very curious, could Memphis attack Boise State's weakness and would Memphis be able to stop Boise State's strength? And where I give the two thumbs up on that is that I thought they did both. And maybe they didn't do so in overwhelming fashion on offense, but I was very curious coming into the game, you know, are they going to be able to stop Jaunty? Because he's a really good back, and he's very good at changing directions and getting chunk plays. Because Memphis's defense, which has been decent this year stopping the run, they had been susceptible to the big chunk play in the run. That's kind of what we saw with Navy. I was curious to know if Memphis would be able to stop that. And by and large, they did. Yes, Janti gets four touchdowns, two through the air and two on the ground. But if you would have said before the game, Memphis is going to hold Ashton Jhonti to 23 carries, 82 yards, 3.6 per attempt, and he's not going to have a run over 20 yards, I would have probably said, I think they win the game. And that's kind of how it turned out. On the offensive side of the ball, there were series that didn't look pretty. I mean, no one's really a big fan of on third down when you third and long and you're just checking it out to your running back and it since essentially feels like you're just giving up on, on the conversion play. But I thought in the second half you saw – it got down to the point in time where it's like, it's kind of now or never. And Memphis was going to need to make big plays in the passing game. And for the most part, that's when you really saw it. In the second half alone, Memphis goes 8 of 13 through the air. Uh, 8 of 13 through the air for 145 yards. So essentially... 145 of the 270 they got through the air, over half, 60% of it come during the second half. And that's kind of what it felt like the difference was because overall, like down to down, did I feel like Memphis played better? I didn't really, but I do know what Memphis did better, and this is kind of what matters the most. Memphis finished drives better and Memphis made the single biggest play in the entire game. And lo and behold, that's why they find themselves 4 and 1 during the open week and now facing what is exactly what you could have hoped for. This is the matchup with Tulane that you wanted. Yes, it would be awesome to be 5 and 0, but there is absolutely zero shame being 4-1 and one here with your one loss being to a top 25-ranked Missouri team in respectable fashion. Furthermore, I don't know how much of Tulane's performance was playing down to the level of competition of UAB, and they also have the open date coming up, so they didn't have, like at least with Memphis, when you have the open date coming up, you had the big game this week, the, the opponent that you could get up for. Tulane didn't have that in UAB, but Tulane certainly does not look to be the juggernaut that they were last year, and you set up an outstanding opportunity at home next Friday or a week from Friday night. So, I don't know, I guess my largest overreaction was I still don't have an overreaction. I, I credit Memphis for getting the job done, and I credit them for understanding that sometimes a game will come down to a play. And I'll give you an example and I'll brag on I'll brag on my MUS Owls on Friday night. The Owls are coming off last week. Arguably the the biggest win in regular season, the biggest regular season win in school history, beating Innsworth for the first time in Nashville. And it was just an unbelievably physical, emotional. It, it was the type of big game where Everything felt like it was late on the line. The Owls then have to go back on Friday night to Nashville. It's the first time we've had to do three Nashville trips in the regular season that I can remember. And I remember driving up the whole way thinking, this is a big-time trap game. They, the kids have fall break this week. They just came off the emotional win of last week. And Father Ryan lost at home to or lost on the road last week to Briarcrest and it was going to be their homecoming. So it was a game where it was going to be very difficult to match the intensity of your opponent. And we absolutely just got punched in the face. Down 21 to nothing 2 minutes into the second quarter, I'm looking to our statistician, my former 8th grade English teacher, and we're both looking at each other like, this is about to be a running clock. This is about to be a, an absolute blowout. Because vibes were bad, weren't getting any stops on defense, weren't making any plays on offense. It was felt like it was just three and out, punt, watch them score. Three and out, punt, watch them score. But we have a senior linebacker, Hudson Shove, who has this unique ability that even from the defensive side of the football, to make the type of play that completely flips the game. And we're getting punched in the mouth, and out of nowhere, he intercepts a pass from their pretty darn good senior quarterback and takes it all the way back to the house, 59 yards. Felt like he was going to get caught several times. He just ends up running away from him. And you realize that's the type of, play that completely flips a game I felt like the blocked field goal was the exact same situation for the University of Memphis and so I don't really feel guilty about not having a bigger overreaction to what I saw on Friday or what I saw on Saturday afternoon because I didn't see anything that really changed my mind one way or the other other than I think Last year's team and even the previous year's team, I think they lose that game. And that was one of the key talking points all preseason about why this football team would be different. Well, they believed they were going to be better in one-score games. So far this year, on paper, they've played three one-score games, Navy, Missouri, and Boise. They're two and one. And I think the thing that's interesting is, of those three one-score games, I think there are three different types of one-score games. The Navy one-score game felt like a one-score game in which you let your opponent back in the game because you couldn't put it away. But, you held on. The Missouri one-score game felt like the opposite, where you were the team that wasn't getting put away. And you held on to make it to make it a one-score game that didn't really feel like a one-score game. Like I felt like if Missouri would have had to go down and score, they could have done it, but they didn't, they put the game away. That's fine. There's no shame in losing that kind of one-score game. Saturday felt like the ultimate toss-up. And even maybe the toss-up in which you were probably getting outplayed. It wasn't extreme, but Boise was a little bit better down-to-down. I guess you could make the argument the, the Tigers had better balance, but Boise had way more opportunities to score than Memphis did. And what it came down to was somebody needed to make a play, and somebody did. The other overreactions from the weekend. As I search through the rest of college football, I think rather than single out one particular game, rather than focus on one particular team, I think I'm going to go with my general overreaction through now five weeks of college football this year. My overreaction is that the top of the sport has come back to the pack. But maybe not in the fashion that everybody that's hoping for chaos is rooting for. And what I mean by that is, if you look at, if you look at the top teams this weekend that got scared, Georgia. Let's start with Georgia. They get scared on the road against Auburn. But if you watch the game throughout, you realized very quickly, Georgia made two critical mistakes turning the football over that gave up both the touchdowns to Auburn. But when Auburn had to go the length of the field, they were not able to do so. They only got two field goals. But when push came to shove, There was one team that you had a a lot of confidence. I just felt like the whole game that I was watching it, I was confident that Georgia was going to make enough plays to win that game and Auburn couldn't do it. Georgia, not the death star that they would have been where it used to be they would go on the road and that's kind of when they would flex big time. They'd go on the road, knock you out quickly, and then suffocate you. Well, I don't know if Georgia's capable of doing that right now, Uh, especially on offense. Like, I don't get the sense that they're able to just quick strike you like they could at times last year. And maybe it is more of a methodical kind of wear you down and get the knockout punch late. Penn State screwed around in the first half against Northwestern, but in the end showed that yeah, we can screw around, but we're going to lay the hammer in the second half, and we're going to run away from you. Texas, at one point, I could not figure this game out because if you had just looked at the numbers, the game made absolutely no sense against Kansas because in the second half, Texas somehow was only up six points and was essentially outgaining out Kansas like three to one. And it wasn't even like it was a turnover fest. It was just... It was a game that didn't really make sense. Kansas hit two big shot plays in Texas, which has at times this year struggled in the red zone, was not finishing drives. Washington goes to Arizona, and you're thinking, okay, this is a kill shot. Well, they found themselves in a dogfight that maybe they didn't particularly think they were going to be in. Michigan played the same game that Michigan has played the entirety of the season. They have essentially completely whipped an opponent that has looked completely outclassed yet at the same time you have no idea what you're watching whether or not this means that they're awesome whether or not that they're gettable like we still have no idea I don't know if we're going to know anything about Michigan until they play Penn State which is still now a month away but I think I think really that's the biggest difference I don't feel like we're seeing the amount of upsets that everyone that's hoping for chaos would be wishing for. We're seeing that the games are more competitive amongst the top teams. Like You don't have these Death Star type teams that are just punishing opponents and running up the score. They're they're more competitive games, yet none of them are really getting really threatened to lose unless they play each other when Texas and Alabama played each other we we we've we've gotten some context that way when Florida State plays LSU we've gotten some context but the other big overreaction that I had this weekend is the more and more that college football becomes the diet NFL or NFL light the more and more we're going to have to realize it's going to just be week to week and it's going to be more matchup dependent than it has ever before. It's the same reason why a team like Ole Miss can look completely helpless against Alabama two weeks ago and then set school records and SEC records on Saturday against LSU. That's kind of what we see in the NFL. Like, it's, it's where we don't... We've always done the transitive property of college football. Who have you beat? How'd you beat them? To apply context to, like, what we think about teams. We don't really do that in the NFL. Like, does anyone today still hold it against the Bills that they lost to the Jets in the fashion that they did? Or do most people start to recognize, you know, the Jets have been always kind of an awkward matchup for them since Salah's been there. And they went on the road... You have the shock of Aaron Rodgers' injury. They probably didn't handle the game as well as they should have. And then Josh made some just horrific boneheaded turnovers. But since that moment in time, the Bills have been flexing. And no bigger flex than what they had yesterday against the Dolphins. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's turn our attention back. to the Tigers, we'll talk Tiger basketball as well as Tiger football with Jason Munz when we come back. And also, during hour number two, we'll have live audio, or I should say, audio that was recorded live. From FedEx Forum and Grizzlies Media Day. Stick around. You won't want to miss that. Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. Yes.
3: Worried about
0: letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they
3: are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries. So
0: Gionato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of g is brought to you by the next generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Gionato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. There's never been a better time for football fans to join
2: the huddle for all the hard-hitting action with BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app and use bonus code MEMPHIS200 MEMPHIS200 when you place a $10 pregame money line wager on any pro football game. You'll receive $200 in bonus bets instantly regardless of your wager's outcome. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, player props, live betting options, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Sign up today to get started. Go for the end zone with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for T's and C's, 21 or older to wager, Tennessee-only, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Jason Munns is the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal joins us. Each and every Monday on the program Pulling double duty today Tiger basketball and Tiger football But first, Munz What are we listening to? This is uh,
3: Planetary Motion Jeffrey, it's uh, Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks
2: Do we have a theme Or is it just, was it on the shuffle?
3: Yeah, it was just on shuffle. It's uh it's uh Stephen Malcolmus was the uh, leader of Pavement, I don't know if you ever heard oh, of yeah. Pavement, but uh, yeah, he uh, he had like his own little side project here or post-pavement project. Uh, uh, this is off the album Wig Out at Jagbags.
2: Yeah, Pavement played it like when I was down covering Ole Miss, they played it like Proud Larry's in Oxford and I was like I had no idea Pavement was still touring. Like that was a yeah. was a shock to me, but I was like good good for them. All right, I'll let you choose your own adventure. Do you want to start with, with what you just uh, experienced at uh, media availability for Ryan Silverfield? You want to start Tiger basketball?
3: Oh, uh, football! It's football season.
2: Okay, let's start with football because I I thought it was interesting because it's overreaction Monday. Normally, you know, I I can fire off some overreactions just like anyone. I've I've got football brain on the mind. I really struggled with an overreaction to what the Tigers did on Saturday because falling behind in the fashion that they did was incredibly disturbing, but it's a 60-minute football game. And really after they fell behind, I thought they made some, some pretty big plays and they played winning football. At the same time, I felt like Boise State was not finishing drives and I didn't know how much to credit Memphis on that or how much to blame Boise State. I kind of got the sense reading what you wrote, Ryan Silverfield really didn't know what to make of the game either.
3: Yeah, uh, that that was kind of how I felt. Uh, that was my biggest takeaway was like kind of, yeah, like he, 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 he was very happy. Thankful uh, for a win. They, yeah, win's you, a you win. The win you, you never give them back and all that. And So he was very happy about that, and he was very happy about the composure that they showed and, uh, the you know, the progression in some areas, but he also – made it very clear that there are things that have to be cleaned up. You like it, it it, that sort of thing is not sustainable. Go down by three scores every week and expect to come back and win. That's not something you can do every week. And so, uh, so yeah, so he was kind of like, you know, he, he, he definitely wants to celebrate the win, but he also doesn't want to get too ahead of his skis and think that all their problems are solved just because they won the game. Um, yeah, it was. It was. I think he's kind of wrestling with uh, with what's going on right now. Do you think
2: this team has improved in the one score game area? Because so far they played three and they're two and one.
3: Yeah, I mean, so far, so good. Um, you know, it, it does seem like they are uh, better in that sense. Better in the sense of like, okay, we've we've learned from our mistakes. We've, we, have we you know, in the past we would have done this or that and, and, and things might not necessarily have gone our way, but we're, we're learning. And uh, that is a positive step in any sport for any team, um, the ability to, uh, you know, grow and mature and, 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 and all those sorts of things. And so from that standpoint, I think, yes, um, this team is – Figuring out how to, and I think part of that's Ryan Silverfield. Sure, um, it's not just the players on the field, and not just not just Silverfield. It's also the coaching staff. They're all figuring out how to come together and make this work. And I mean, listen, they're four and one, and uh, they just picked up a big home win against Boise State. And um, it's hard to it's hard to argue. I know there's you know I know there's a lot of people who wish it looked better, but four and one is still four and one.
2: I think that's kind of what I've struggled with is I don't want to when you when you cover one team, and obviously I'm not the beat writer, so it's a little bit different, but when you cover one team predominantly, you tend to notice the warts of the team way more than you do if you're just someone that just watches college football every Saturday and, and gets a look at teams. Yep. I I do think that they're they're not unique in this, in which teams, so many teams now are having to rebuild rosters each and every year. And so very few teams are starting the year as kind of like having an identity, maybe finished product isn't the right word, but having a strong sense of self. I do feel like if I'm going to spin positively, it does feel like this team is starting to figure out what they do well better than I felt like they did at times. The the two previous teams, like I think they're starting to acknowledge. All right, Watson's our best tailback. We got to get him the ball. Rock Taylor's our best receiver. We got to get him the ball. Like I do feel like they're starting to they're starting to maybe develop an identity. Or do you think I, I'm am I missing the point? Am I trying to am I trying to overanalyze there?
3: I don't think so. Um, I mean, because, you know, you, you pointed out very clearly there. I mean, part, it, it is easier when you have clearer, uh, you know, th- things that are abundantly apparent. Uh, you know, Blake Watson is somebody that needs to have the you, – you need to get him involved uh, quite a bit. right? Yeah. You need to get him involved a lot. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's why it feels like they're – figuring things out and figuring themselves out a little bit sooner than than probably some other teams, uh, in, 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 college football. It's just because it's abundantly clear. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I do, I, I mean, you know, they, they do still have some issues, uh, that they, that, that need to be cleaned up and they need to also, you know, lean into that a little bit. Like they, they need to learn, what to stay away from maybe a little bit more and it's it it can't be just about okay here's what here's what we do really really well let's lean hard into that it's also uh you know being willing to also lean away from what they don't do so well uh rather than trying to be balanced or trying to be you know trying not to be predictable whatever whatever else um so yeah, I, I still think they have a little bit of a ways to go before they figure out uh, exactly who they are. But, I mean, as you pointed out, I, I don't think you're off base. Uh, either, they have, either they have accelerated that process, or one way or another they're further along than probably a lot of other teams in their position.
2: Yeah, because I've really struggled with the questions like, all right, now that we've seen five games, do I feel better or worse than I did or, or neutral coming into the season? I think I would lean. I feel better. It's not a strong feel better, right. but I do feel better than neutral, but I don't feel like, all right, this team's the best team in the league. Is that
3: fair? No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I going to say. It's like a kick better than neutral. Yeah. Um, probably. Uh, just because of the fact that they are where, I mean, they're going into a bye week now with a chan- I mean, and that's the other thing is like, there are still chances to impress, you know, like, it's not just downhill from here. It's not just, uh, you know, going. I mean, they still have an opportunity to, to really make a statement. I mean, if they go out next Friday, um, here against Tulane, and and things go well, well then, then, then now you're really, really uh, things can get really exciting at that point.
2: Anything else, Ryan said today that, that you made note of?
3: Uh, he, I asked him about the specialists, uh, Seth yeah. Morgan and Tristan Vandenberg, who've been out. Um, he said that they will know more uh, later this week and early next week. So that didn't sound overly promising. But I also asked him about Jonah Gambill, um, Gamble, who, uh, uh, the offensive lineman who left the game the other day with a, what appeared to be a lower extremity injury um he said that he the expectation is that he will be full go this week so it doesn't sound like uh they're gonna they're gonna it doesn't sound like that uh jonah's gonna miss any time there
2: all right let's turn our attention to tiger basketball we'll get to recruiting in just a moment but you got to look at the team what are your impressions so far
3: uh i i just i think that and i wrote about this in a story that published this morning i mean I was struck by what I saw in the sense that it it's going to look a little bit, I think, considerably different than probably every other Penny Hardaway team. You know, since under him, every other Tigers team under Penny Hardaway has been really, really good defensively, and they've had some offensive uh, weapons. Don't get me wrong here. I mean, uh, you know, Tyler Tyler Harris, uh, Kendrick Davis. Landers Nolley, Josh Minot, you know, there there have been guys who could score the basketball, but, like, I don't know that there's ever been a team where there's been this many guys who, on any given night, can be your go-to guy, and I'm talking about Caleb Mills, Javon Quinterly, Jaquan Walton, David Jones, even Jordan Brown. Like, one through five on offense, I mean, and we're assuming that's going to be your starting five on opening night, depending on what happens uh, with the with the NCAA and DeAndre Williams. But, but like, that is as complete an offensive team as you might can be in, in like where Memphis sits in the in the landscape uh, in the in the scheme of things. And I mean, I, I straight up asked Penny after the after the practice, you know, like you you've really been a defensive, like defense is why you've been so successful or as successful as you've been since you got here. That's not going to be the case this year. And he he agreed, um, you know, like they're going to go as far as their offense can take them this year. And that's a big, that's a big, big change from seasons past. Is this team physically as impressive as he's had? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is eight guys on this roster are listed at six six or taller. That's eight guys. I want to say it again. Eight guys, six six or taller. Three other guys are listed at six five. That's 11 guys who are six five or taller. And like we're not just, t- I mean, Penny said it himself. This is the longest team he's had. Now there is no Jalen Duran who's just yep. you know a Marvel superhero. There, There's no, uh, I mean, yeah, you got, like, you do have big men. You've got Jordan Brown, you've got Malcolm Dandridge. Um, you don't have the dominant, you, there's not the Precious Achua, there's not the Jalen Duran. but where I think you make up for that is the number of guys who have good length, but not only length, like, what comes along with being an older team the way this, these tires are is just a, a greater physical maturity overall, not just yeah. height. We're talking about sturdiness and uh, uh, just thickness. I mean, it's it's uh, it was it was it stood out pretty significantly when you get up close to it and you're watching them, you know, all go against each other, all going up and down the floor. Um, this is a very physically mature team. I mean, they're not going to get pushed around. Like it, it, it didn't. I don't. I don't want to go. I don't want to go out here and say that it looked like Houston. Yeah, the Houston teams. But you got Houston vibes. There. You got. You could.
2: You could get whiffs of it.
3: Exactly vibes. Like I got. I got some Houston vibes coming off that open practice.
2: Do you get this? Like when when you compare to how he's felt about other teams. Do you get the sense that he has more confidence in this team? I do think that he
3: is a little bit he's, – he's, he seems more relaxed. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, he, he's not, not like reserved or resigned, but just like – Quietly confident? He, yeah, like, I mean, not that he doesn't have to coach, but the, that's another byproduct of having so many older guys – is that this is going to kind of be a player led team? I mean, you know, last year, yeah, you had Kendrick Davis, you had DeAndre Williams, so like he could he could let them sort of lead the way, but but that was just two guys. Yeah. You know, so he needed to fill in some gaps, you know. And the year before that was the uh, all the freshmen with the Money Bates and Jalen Duran, and then you know, and, and he's been very young before. But this team, I mean, like. One through five, those dudes have been through battles. Like th- these are, these are battle tested guys who I think he knows that it's not as much about him having to lead and guide and everything. He, he, there, there's, there's room for him to sort of back up. And give himself the opportunity to look at things from a different uh, perspective, like a big picture. He can stand back and see different things that he couldn't necessarily afford to see when he was having to be so involved. And so I think, yeah, I think, I think that is starting to dawn on him a little bit that he uh, doesn't, he can be more of a of a manager and, and maybe less of a coach.
2: Do we have any DeAndre Williams update?
3: Um, other than the fact that um, there there was a report that came out over the weekend that uh, the NCAA had initially uh, declined his their initial request for reconsideration, and uh, that that uh, that is the case. Uh, now they have they. The impression that I've gotten, my understanding is that was expected. Yeah. Um, that was, that they, they always expected that to be the case. They have since uh, resubmitted their, their uh, appeal, their proposal uh, along with some additional information and um, uh, optimism is still very high uh, among the, uh, all, you know, among the, the staff. And so um, as far as, I think we are getting much closer, obviously, to a to a decision, but it's
2: not here yet. All right, and then Billy Richmond the third had his official visit. I try to remember when I did cover recruiting, I always felt like if visits didn't go well, that was the news. How did you kind of take this visit? It seems like everything it it seems like everything that could have gone right in terms of the visit did, but I, I still don't know how much to weigh into that one way or the other.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, the, the vibe that I've gotten all along uh, on on Billy Richmond's recruitment here is that it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, the the national uh, sort of perspective is that uh, Kentucky is probably the favorite to land Billy Richmond, and I think that's I think that's probably the case um, now. I mean that's not to say that that Memphis is out of it. Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't had a chance to catch up with Billy or his mom yet since they left. Uh, but I she posted on Facebook, uh, his mother did, and obviously he posted on Instagram and and X, and um, they 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 apparently had a great time and and everything else. But I also think that uh, that it just it's. It's just there's a, there's a gap there I think to make up and and I think they they took positive steps in that direction but I, you know we'll see I I also think he's quite a bit away from making any sort of decision uh, his yeah. mom did tell me last week that he's going to visit Alabama and Kansas um, this month and so he's not really anywhere close to a decision um, I you know I had heard that there was a chance that his decision may linger uh, past the new year. Um, she didn't shoot that down. She, she didn't really confirm or deny that. I asked her I asked her point blank, you know, is this something, are we going to, is this going to linger into the spring? And she goes, ah, eh, I can't say anything for sure. I don't think it'll go all the way to the spring. But she also didn't seem like it was going to, anything was going to be said or done uh, by that early signing period in November.
2: Jason, we appreciate it, buddy. All right, thanks. That is Jason Munns pulling double duty today, both Tiger basketball and Tiger football. When we come back, let's hear some of the audio from the Memphis Grizzlies media day. When we come back, we'll hear from Derek Rose. We'll hear from Marcus Smart, Taylor Jenkins, Desmond Bain. We'll also, during hour number two, hear from Santi Aldama. We'll hear from Luke Kennard as well Xavier Tillman and more. We'll do all that during hour number two. Stick around. You'll listen to Gianotto and Jeffrey. 92.9 FM ESPN. Coming up at 4 p.m. It's the
0: Gabe Kuhn Show with the tallest lineman on the radio. In fact, the only lineman on the radio. Gabe Kuhn. Weekdays from 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. on 92.9 FM ESPN. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers say play 92.9 ESPN. The NFL season is here and Now's the time to get incredible offers with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet five dollars will get one hundred dollars off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com/slash Gabe K G A B E K. That's my promo code, and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official partner.